Hi, you're listening to Two Monicas and a Microphone, and this is part two of the fairy edition, the good, the bad, and the pretty. The other Monica will be on shortly, so if you haven't heard part one, we'd suggest starting there. So Monica, we've taken a slight detour into the world of the tooth fairy, branching off from Disney fairies, but we're going to take another detour into Shakespeare. Yeah, so there are two fairies that are pretty famous, Oberon and Tatiana. Do you know what they're from? I have no idea, but I do know Oberon is one of my favorite wines from Washington State. That's where it's from. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Why not? Oh, no. It's from Midsummer Night's Dream. I've never seen it or read it. I was like, or read it, huh? Actually, I've only read parts of it. It was not as compelling for me as some of his other works are. I do love um, some of his other stuff, but we're not going to digress on that. So what I thought was really interesting about Oberon and Tatiana is not so much the Tatiana part, the fairy queen, but Oberon is the king of the fairies. And up to this point and going forward, actually, we don't have any male fairies. So for Oberon, he is the only male fairy that we are going to mention or that I could say is actually well known. Yeah, I don't know of any others. And it seems like Oberon is kind of like King Triton. So he is the king of the Mer people and there are other male Mer people. But then after stories of King Triton and the Little Mermaid, you don't hear about male mermaids. No, you don't. They are traditionally women, much like in Peter Pan, all the Little Mermaid women. That's right. So there is something to that, honestly. And believe it or not, it comes from the Victorians, my favorite people. Oh, Yeah, so basically they are the reason that we think of them uh, as the fairies being feminine and having wings and Mm -hmm. their wings being opalescent and uh, the most popular wing style being that of a butterfly. Mm -hmm. And we really get that from the Victorian time. And after the Victorians, really, there aren't any male fairies. So obviously Shakespeare precedes the Victorians for anyone who isn't aware of that. (laughs) But that got me off on a little trail. So I was like, okay, So what other male fairies are out there? And I could think of one off the top of my head. Okay. Did you know that leprechauns are fairies? No. Yes. So they are fairies. They're considered singular fairies and they are always male. Oh my goodness. There's that. So then... So, but the leprechaun is not to be confused with another tiny Scottish fairy called the Lierg. And he dresses like a soldier, has red hair, and he always lives near the water. And he will challenge people to a fight, which kind of sounds like the fighting Irish of Notre Dame. (laughs) That's what comes to mind when I think about that. Uh, There's also exclusively female fairies like Nixies, Banshees, and the Leenan Sid. So we're going to talk about some of those in our October session. Yes. Another solitary fairy. And you had mentioned this particular fairy tale and we haven't gotten into it, but I know you had mentioned it to me to get on our list, but this has been a very extensive mini series. So, and that is Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin, I find is so weird. Super weird. He reminds me of Gollum from Lord of the Rings and I just can't handle it. 
Yeah, he's creep town, as yeah. I like to describe things. Absolutely. But he is also a solitary fairy. Thumbelina, well, not Thumbelina. a fairy. Yeah, she falls in love with the fairy mm-hmm. king. Yes, yeah. she does. Yeah, and so that's all his the difference. parents don't want her to marry him. No, they no, don't want of them course to be not. Together. Yeah, so that is all the male fairies. There's plenty more, but the ones that I feel like we would find familiar. And so for me, that's really the key part here about Oberon and Tatiana is that it's really the last dominant male fairy. And and I was like, oh yeah, Lord of the Rings. I was like, wait, those weren't fairies. But... They were elves. They were elves. In many cultures, elves and fairies run right along the same line. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, don't don't say that out loud. But here I am admitting that I thought that for a, a brief moment. It's yeah, so, all right. They look magical. Yeah, absolutely. And a little feminized, at least in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings movies. So yes. I just took the opportunity to Google some of the fairies. Oh, okay. Carnival Row. Oh, I've not heard of that. Is that like a Netflix original series? It's, it's Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video. It says it right there up top. It has Orlando Bloom in it. Yes. No, it's, who, wo- it's wonderful. Who, who, who is an who, elf yes. in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yes. So it's basically about all of these mythological creatures and some of them are being killed off by a mysterious beast, right? Oh. And there's also the difference between the fae, uh-huh. right? The fairies and the real people. But they <gasps> also have like a senator. It's great. Paul and I loved it. Oh my gosh. I have seen it pop up and you, I have not thought twice like about it. it. But now that I'm looking at it, definitely. This seems that it's Victorian. Exactly. Exactly. I have to watch it. I just have to. A great series. I've loved it. Um, I can't wait till it comes back. Yeah. I feel like fairies just don't get the play that they used to. And even looking at this, I wonder how many, the the one that they're showing, the main character of the fairies is a female. I'm sure there's male Um, ones. Well, they're trying to kill them all off. Well, you just keep having babies be born and laugh. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And you get their lore right. (laughs) Yes. But I think um, anyone who's looking for, I'm going to say, a wholesome show about fairies and mythological creatures that you can get into because the storylines are deep and, you know, crosses over with humans and it's got some good guy, bad guy. That's always fun. So Monica, that brings us to the bad. Ooh, yes. My favorite. Not really, but also yes. (laughs) I don't always like the bad, but in this particular case, we have showcasing the bad is from Sleeping Beauty, Maleficent. And was she a fairy? Because I didn't realize that in in the beginning. Yes, she is a fairy. Yeah, she's a fairy. Now, of course, she doesn't feel like a fairy, right? Because as Disney has depicted fairies, they're little elderly pudgy ladies. So I wouldn't even say elderly, but older pudgy cute women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Like Aunt Bee has become a fairy godmother. And (laughs) it is Aunt Bee. (laughs) It's Aunt Bee. Let's be honest. So when you think about Maleficent, absolutely you would not think of her as being a fairy. You would think of her as being, in my opinion, a witch but she is a fairy. Yeah. So as we spoke before about the progression of Sleeping Beauty, the tale over time, it does include fairies in different ways. 
But what about the mistress of evil, as she proclaims herself to be in the original Disney feature animation? And here is what I'm going to share with everybody. She doesn't exist in the original fairy tales. Really hate to ruin that for everybody, but it's the truth. Now, Mm -hmm. it's not until Peralt's version that an evil fairy, if you will, makes an appearance. And I feel like I'm using the word evil in the wrong way because I don't feel like this person, this fairy is evil. But in this version, the king and queen invite all of the fairies in the land that they could find and they could only find seven. So they invite them to the christening and then they even have gifts of gold created specifically for them. During the christening, an eighth fairy appears and she gets super upset that she wasn't invited, but even more upset that she wasn't getting a piece of gold. She sounds like a dragon. She sounds terrible. Yeah. So before you get mad, she's not a fairy godmother. (laughs) Absolutely. She did not make the cut. So before you get mad at the king and queen for not inviting her, they actually thought this particular fairy had passed away. Oh, they did not know she was alive. So they didn't take the extra time to go looking for, you know, someone who's Mm -hmm. pronounced dead. Guess she had died in a castle. And she doesn't really appear in the rest of the story. So she just like basically this old cranky bat. I mean, she's no, (laughs) I mean, seriously, she's no mistress of evil at all. But that's who we're going to talk about because that is who Maleficent is. And she's amazing. And the name is super cool. And of course, Mm -hmm. that was invented by the Disney Studios. So... She's definitely crafted in the studio, and I love it. What a great piece of imagination. So um, I would like to say that when we find her in the Grimm Brothers, just a side note here, mm-hmm. she's actually the 13th fairy, right. and she gets very angered about being jilted out of the invitation, much like in Peralt's version, and there's not enough golden plates. But again, she doesn't show up later at all. It's true. Yeah. She yeah. casts the curse, and she's done. Yeah, so it's just, she's just cantankerous. But in Disney's version, Maleficent, I want to talk a little bit about how she got her signature look, which I thought was really, really cool. Actually, if you go back and you really study some of the Disney animation, I mean, it just was truly art and these people took it very seriously. And I have to say that with modern cartoons, I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. <laughs> there there's it's some different. art to there's some art that's lost in it. Storytelling sure, it's still there, but the art is a little bit gone for me. So originally she looked much like how she was described by both Pearl and Graham and that was like as an old woman hag, much like how we see the old witch in Sleeping Beauty, much like that, just an old hag. But they really didn't feel like that had suited the gothic background style. So basically, Maleficent was designed after the sets were designed. So the background sets, which they would overlay the mm-hmm. characters onto, that was done first. And they felt like a hag really looked awful on that. So they went and they looked up medieval art manuscripts. <laughs> and they, right? Right? I'm like, what? They wow, really, really went into it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, for inspiration. And the artist was inspired inspired by the robes of religious people who were depicted in these. And then he decided to make her evil, basing her horns off of the devil and her cloak off of that of a bat. 
it. Wow. And so the other thing about her being a hag is that she had a super strong voice, the voice actress, and they just felt like she needed a strong character, physical mm -hmm. character to go with that voice. And I did not know this until the research, Lady Tremaine and Maleficent are voiced by the same voice actress. No way. Yes. <gasps> Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. So she basically is just turned all sorts of evil by the creators of the Disney animation feature. I did think that maybe she had more of a history, but she doesn't. And that's totally cool by me. I love that she was crafted in a studio. It, it makes it really fun. Then that gets us to, like you've mentioned before, some other versions, right? Sure. So like Disney did the Maleficent, yep. which was the feature title with Angelina Jolie. Which I loved I the costume. I loved the costume. I loved the story as mm -hmm. well. I thought it was just great. But you know, all that it is, is just retelling made up in the minds of a writer, of the writers. Oh, and I tale. thought for a while that it was based maybe off the original. And then I come to find out, no, it's not. It's just a reimagination, which I love. So well, that's and how I, I feel it. about Wicked. So Wicked didn't exist. The prequel, the origin yep. story of Elphaba and Glinda or Galinda didn't <laughs> exist before the reimagining of right. what could be before. Absolutely. So I love those types of things. I think it's it's super fun. And they get to have that kind of extra credence with live action that, you know, taking from the books or so I really, really enjoy it. And I really enjoyed Maleficent. So that's the history of the most famous, in my opinion, bad fairy. I would agree with that. So let's go on to the second most famous, in my opinion. Yes, because I can't even think of a second one other than who you're getting ready to introduce. Oh my God. <laughs> it's the fairy godmother from Shrek. Hey, parent friends, Monica and I want to take a break and ask you a few questions. Do you struggle to get your children to listen? Uh-huh. Do you desire your home to be a place of peace, not stress? Yes. Do you feel like everyone else has it figured out but you? Who doesn't feel this way? I don't know because I definitely feel this way at least once a week. But Monica, we're not here to talk about another episode. We're here to tell our friends about a great resource, Kristen Schmoke parent coach. She does live online coaching for overwhelmed parents who are looking to create harmony in the home. I've read her reviews and she's incredible. Monica, you've used her before, right? I have. You and I have laughed together over the last 18 months about my struggles as a parent of two small kids. It felt like I had been underwater for a couple of years dealing with their emotions when Kristen came back into my life. I had no idea I was doing things backwards by trying to teach them to calm down in the middle of a meltdown. So the next time I became frustrated, I reached out to her. She's so calm and reassuring and really knows a lot about communication and kids, thanks to her training as an early education teacher and as a mom of four herself. During our session, she helped me understand the behavior I found frustrating was probably just a reaction to all the change we had in 2021. I took her advice, took a deep breath, and didn't focus on the behavior, and our issue is improving. That's incredible. I love it. I don't know if you know this, but I've reached out to Kristen before as well when I've needed help with Lillian's middle school drama, and she's been amazing. 
Friends, if you'd like to check out what Kristen has to offer and learn more about her coaching and how it can improve your family life, please go to kristenschmokecoaching.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-S-C-H-M-O-K-E coaching.com. You can also find the link in this episode's notes. Check out her reviews and book a free coaching call and start becoming the parent you've always wanted to be. Now back to the show. Oh, which sleeping evil. I could not (laughs) stand her. I could not stand that they made her evil, which of course, I mean, why wouldn't you? What a, you know, what a great spin, right? No. So the first movie goes and you're like, oh, fairy godmother. There's the fairy godmother. Everything's going to be fine. But right. this is one of the best movie franchises, like spoofs I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really great. It's really good. And the second one is even better, which is hard to I follow. mean, it was the type of movie where Zach and I went to the movie theater to see it. And we went with our friends. I mean, it's so funny because I've never thought of it as a kid's movie because we enjoyed it so much as adults. No, Sienna was obsessed with it when she was like three. We watched (laughs) it every day. We still quote from it. Not going to lie. I really want to talk about Gingy because he's my blood brother. Not my gumdrop buttons (laughs) and the three blind mice. But we're going to talk about the fairy godmother and how she is the sneaking evil in the movie. Mm, Definitely. She's basically a villain in disguise. She turns a frog into a human and forces him to marry Lillian, princess, for a small price of their firstborn. Which, until I actually researched this, I had no idea. She's part, she's just in there making all sorts of riffraff for everybody. That's right. So the king and queen don't know that the fairy godmother cursed the princess with ogreness. So they're freaking out and they put the princess in a tower where only true love's kiss can turn her into true form. Sound familiar? Hmm. No, <laughs> just kidding. Right? <laughs> when does this fairy godmother show her true colors? It's not until Shrek 2 that you see the manipulation and deceit and true colors of this main antagonist. That's true. She's basically a wolf in sheep's clothing. She's Prince Charming's mother, which explains why she's pushing and pushing and pushing for, for the princess to marry the prince. That's what she wants so that she can have control of the kingdom. Of course. Of course. But the second one is by far my favorite because all of her wickedness is exposed. And, you know, all the the little fairy creatures, not fairy creatures, but storybook creatures come to life. And you've got the three little That's what makes it so fun. Blind mice. And you've got, you know, gingy. Puss in boots. Yes. Puss in boots. Exactly. And And Humpty. Humpty, of course. So in a really funny little memorable twist I originally had an idea for something that linked all of the storybook characters together yeah and I wrote a story (gasps) and I probably still have it in an envelope at my parents house oh I would love for you to find that and share it but it was not quite as clever or as brilliant as Shrek Um, but yes it that was one of my first how old were you uh, probably 13. Oh, how cute. Yeah. 
And I was like, this is going to be the best. I want Little Red Riding Hood. I wanted, oh, yeah. I wanted all of the characters. That sounds like you had the first fruits of thought for Once Upon a Time. Um, totally. Did not capitalize it. Well, oddly, as a 13-year-old, you didn't have the mogul mind to make it happen. So, Monica, you have an honorable mention. Yes. Now, this is something that I had forgotten about until we did the original kind of telling everybody the origin stories of the different fairy tales that we know as classics. And if you'll remember, it was a fairy, a fairy nanny at that who cursed the prince in Beauty and the Beast because she had raised him and then he wouldn't date her, which is weird, number one. But even in in the retellings that we know that are less weird and icky, um, it is a fairy that comes and not a witch, but a fairy that comes and curses him. That's awful. Yeah, so there is another bad, bad fairy. Well. I'm glad we have rounded out the bad fairies because I really want to get to the pretty fairies because they're my favorite. Of course, they're the Victorian essence of what we think fairies should be. That's right. They're fluttery and small and they have cute little wings and tiny outfits. And actually, Paul introduced the kids to Willow. Oh, yeah. I forgot Which about that. My parents had never let me watch. Oh, oh for sure. Some, same. Yeah. <laughs> there's some tiny fairies in there. I was like, oh, the Fae. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, fairies? <laughs> you know, there are ogres and like all sorts of crazy, crazy things mm-hmm. there. So, my favorite is Tinkerbell from Peter Pan because I think she's the prettiest and the cutest. She is pretty and she is cute and she is full of it. And that was one reason I always loved her. Absolutely. So she first appears in the Peter Pan book titled Little White Bird. And it turns out Peter Pan was actually abandoned as a child and raised by a little white bird. Aw. I know. It's I so sad. Yeah. The fairies in the park teach him to fly. So Aww. at least he had some love. Right? Yeah. And he learns how to fly. So it's not until we get to Disney's Tinkerbell that she becomes the iconic fairy that we love today. I mean, the pixie hair, the pom-pom shoes. She doesn't have a voice, but the jingle in her bells tells you everything you need to know. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was just so clever and cute. And I also love that about her. And let's not forget the pixie dust that allows everyone to fly. Yeah, you just need a little pixie dust. How That's do they right. get the pixie dust? I oh. think they tell that in the in the Disney fairies, right? Oh my Don't god, they come from flowers. So many Disney fairies, which we'll get to. Okay. But my favorite adaptation is the Julia Roberts one, where she, it was the live action with Julia Roberts and Robin Williams. I think they maybe should have dyed her hair blonde, but the redhead worked. The mm-hmm. red and the green. But they, are, was that a Disney version? Because if yes. it wasn't Disney, then was. that's usually why they won't do that. Oh, no, okay. it was it was definitely Disney. But, you oh. know, Julia Roberts' hair was, it's like iconic. Yeah, I don't know. I never saw that. But no. then there was oh, that other Williams one, Julia so Andrews? What, Julia she played, Andrews. She played Peter Pan, though. She played, exactly. Let um, me so see. A, who was her Tinkerbell? That's a good question. 
Very. And there's a reason that Peter Pan is most often played by a girl. Is because he is an adolescent boy. Exactly. Yeah, he so he wouldn't have and right. some women can look like adolescent men. No, but I mean, like as I was researching, I was like, okay, so Peter Pan is most often played by a girl. Oh, Julia Roberts was Tinkerbell in the film Hook. Hook. Well, yes, but it's an adaptation of Peter Pan. Yeah. 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 It's more about Hook. Right. And Julia Andrews did play Peter Pan, but I don't know who her Tinkerbell was. She played Peter Pan on stage. Yeah. And so it must have just not been a famous person you know who was her counterpart right peter so, pan is very cute i've watched that one and um a lot i love wendy and tinkerbell oh, they could wendy. not be more opposite no but so you were asking how many different fairies are there so yeah. why don't you click on the link and scroll down and just think of the different powers like growing flowers flying changing seasons making people fly oh yeah so, so many. I watched these for a little while and they're very cute. Very, very cute. And I love them. I love it when you can personify things. That's one of my favorite things in um, when you're being imaginative is what is the personification of the color pink or what is the personification Aww. of a flower or personification of a bee. And I really feel like these fairies did all of that. There are so many fairies so there's many like fairies. over 50 i think oh if you keep so, going down it's like a hundred it's crazy does it keep going it keeps I just going. saw 50 okay yeah it keeps um going. it's crazy yeah, so I I think it's really fun, and I think you can do the same type of thing with mermaids. Mermaids and mermaids are just the fairies of the sea. Oh, I love that. Oh, That's almost feel like we should do a mermaid episode. Let's do a mermaid episode. <laughs> All right, I'm writing it down. Mermaid episode it is. But we have to move on to the blue fairy in Pinocchio. Oh yes, she oh. was so amazing and enchanting and. Just the way she spoke. Oh, That's she just right. she loved was her. Kind and lovely and just had that blue, glittery, flowing dress. So she first appeared in the adaptation or translation of Pinocchio from French into Italian in 1881. The blue fairy in that original adaptation revives Pinocchio after he's hanged for his misdeeds. Ew. Again, Yikes. going back to the dark origin of all of our favorite <laughs> yeah. fairy It's not enough that he's almost turned into a donkey. Oh, that Disney seems version. so weird. But I always felt original, so sorry for those boys. Uh, they deserved it. Oh, Hello? do they? Just because they're little kids being naughty. Oh, I always just had a problem with it. <laughs> no, they were being bad. They were being naughty. I don't know if they should have to be donkeys for the rest of their life. All right. If I catch my five-year-old drinking beer and playing pool, I'm going to give him a donkey tail. (laughs) That's it. He gets a donkey tail. So she gives him life as he had just been a puppet to Geppetto. But before that, she actually saves him from Stromboli's cage where he was being kept and forced to perform as a puppet without strings. 
So she did a lot for him, more so than we see in the Disney version of Pinocchio. Well, I think you see it all. It's just a matter of how how you view it. Because she told him that he had to prove himself brave, truthful, unselfish, and someday you'll be a real boy. So she Mm -hmm. makes him a live puppet. He does bad things. She revives him from being hanged in the original version. And then she tells him that if he wants to be a real boy, that he has to prove himself brave, truthful, and unselfish. And as we know, he does that. He does, eventually. Takes him like being eaten by a whale. Jonah. Jonah and the whale. Jonah. (laughs) Not Noah. Jonah. But I put her into the category of the pretty because- I agree. I agree. She's a beautiful, she's a beautiful fairy. Yes. Very- I, and I think that she is the last fairy that we're going to discuss today. I did try to dig up all sorts of other fairies, to be quite honest, Mm -hmm. that we could go through. But I think that we hit all of the very famous ones without getting into what I would call the history of the fae and just just other things as far as that goes. Absolutely. So, but in keeping with the theme of the good, the bad, and the pretty, I think we've got it covered. I think so too. Friends, this is the second to last installment of our series on fairy tale origins, fairies based on true stories, fairy tale villains, and fairies the good, the bad, and the pretty. Next on the list is international folklore, and it's so entertaining. If you like this episode, please share us with a friend. Just hit the share button. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's music was provided by Kevin McLeod and some really great classical musicians. Please see our show notes for the full credits.